Sup, freaks. It's your boy Marty here. To introduce this rip of Rabbit Hole Recap, Matt and I just had a high-qual rip, per usual. Fun discussion. Fun discussion. Crazy times we're living in today. In this day. I think you guys are going to like this one, as always. Uh, Just a little PSA. If you guys haven't subscribed to this podcast on your podcast network of choice, please make sure you do. It helps, uh, helps us get more exposure as we may be turning into a bull market here. Obviously, that'll bring more attention to Bitcoin and uh, more eyes on the space. And we want to make sure that people are getting the quality information we believe they deserve. And we believe that we provide that quality information here at Tales from the Crypt and our weekly rabbit hole recap. So spread the word, subscribe, maybe rate, review the podcast on your on your local podcasting network if they allow you to that helps with visibility and goes a long way and just say hey, let's us know that we're we're on the right track and by no means by forcing you freaks to do that if you if you feel it's it's deserved and you have the time and are willing to go out of your way to do it it would be much appreciated love you freaks this episode is brought to you by our good friends at unchained capital you should know all about them but if you don't know about them let me tell you about them they're helping bitcoiners uh number one not sell their bitcoin and then maybe not number one. They're they're providing financial services for Bitcoiners with a security first mindset. Security is number one in their mind at all times. They want to make sure that users are using Bitcoin properly and securely and, and, and maintaining as much sovereignty and control over their UTXOs throughout their whole product suite. And this is exemplified in their Volts product, which allows you to create a two or three multi-sig quorum in which you hold two of three keys and Unchain holds the other. And uh, if you ever want to move your UTXOs out of the multi-sig address, you can do so yourself. You can you always have autonomy to move in and out of the vault uh, as you please under your own volition without the need for Unchained to do anything. But if you ever get in a pinch and you don't have one of those two keys need to move your UTXOs, Unchained is there for to, to be that second key in that two or three multi-signature so you can move your UTXOs. On top of that, they have their collateralized loan program. If you don't want to sell your Bitcoin uh, and you just need some cash, you need some liquidity, Unchained is offering same-day U.S. dollar liquidity. Uh, You just put some Bitcoin up as collateral. You get U.S. dollar sent to your bank account, and you are able to uh, hold your Bitcoin as long as you're keeping up with the collateral margin and paying back that that loan uh, you can get liquidity without having to sell it's actually tax beneficial as well on top of that they've got a bitcoin mindset and they're giving back to the community for in the form of open source projects particularly uh, caravan which is the open source multi-sig quorum that i described and that they use for their volts program so if you don't want unchained involved at all and you just want to create a multi-sig setup by yourself without unchained in involved at all caravan is there for you to download you can set up as many multi-sig quorums as you want you can get pretty creative with the n of m key uh key setup and and you can set up multi-sigs with friends family whoever you want on top of that they're working on other open source projects like hermit slip 39 and they got their incredible blog series which includes parker lewis's gradually then suddenly which is a great series to send to newbies uh who in pre-coiners who are looking to learn about bitcoin uh, Will Cole, Drew Bonsall, Joe Kelly, Phil Geiger, uh, Buck. I always, uh, I always want to say Presley for Buck's last name. I'm pretty sure it's Presley. Uh, are writing incredible content 
educating Bitcoiners about what they're building at Unchained and how to properly use Bitcoin. So go to www.unchained-capital.com. That's www.unchained-capital.com. Check them out. Check out all these products. Let them know we sent you. And uh, let them know what you think. They're always, they're always open to feedback. This episode is also brought to you by good friends at the motherfucking Cash App. You freaks already know all about them. But if you don't know about them, let me tell you about them. Cash App's helping you stack sats, send sats, receive sats, and sell sats if you so please. Uh, they're also making sats the standard, so you're not buying fractions of Bitcoin anymore. You can uh, buy whole sats. It's a very powerful concept, changing the unit of account from Bitcoin to sats. Uh, on top of that, uh, they've got their their boost program, which allows you to go to partner merchants and and save money when you use the boost card, which lets you personalize it with a debit card. Uh, get your signature on there, Bitcoin sign, Lightning, whatever whatever you're thinking. On top of that, they have Cash App investing. This is relatively new. If you want to stack slivers of stonks, if you're into the stonk market, Cash App investing allows you to buy as little as one dollar of a particular stonk. If your favorite stonk's a little too expensive. Fear not, you can buy as little as $1. And because this is all connected to your bank account, there's no four to five day waiting periods. You can start stacking in stonks, slivers of stonks, and sats today. Cash App may even be your bank account. They're offering account numbers and routing numbers so you can get your paychecks direct deposited into the app. Uh, Cash App Investing is a subsidiary square and member SIPC. And as always, as always, make sure you use the code stacking sats. That's S T A C K I N G S A T S. When you download the app for the first time, you're going to get $10, and $10 is going to go to our good friends at Owls Lacrosse. That's Owls Lacrosse. <laughs> Owls belong in barns and on the lacrosse field. Enjoy this rip of Rabbit Hole Recap. Take care. You've had a dynamic where money's become freer than free. If you talk about a Fed just gone nuts, all, all the central banks going nuts. So it's all acting like safe haven. I believe that in a world where central bankers are tripping over themselves to devalue their currency, Bitcoin wins. In the world of fiat currencies, Bitcoin is the victor. I mean, that's part of the bull case for Bitcoin. If you're not paying attention, you probably should be. Sup, freaks? Welcome back to Rabbit Hole Recap. <laughs> Sitting across from Matt O'Dell, who had a teeth pulled. You went straight Novocaine. I had a single tooth pulled. Yes. A teeth pulled. A teeth pulled. I can't speak. I've been warning Matt. I'm, I'm exhausted right now. I didn't sleep well last night after the Whitney Webb episode. But this is the first episode in quite a while where I'm the only one drinking. Uh, you're Doctor's drinking orders. McCoy. No drinking I've today. Got a, I got a high noon. Vodka soda in a can. They mix it for you so you don't have to. No drinking and no smoking. Who? For how long? I don't know. Just for today. But (laughs) I'm being a good boy today. But yeah, it was a success. You know, a dentist is like, is one of the true humbling uh, day-to-day experiences in our lives i feel like you really are just i'm completely in their hands you know they got the saw in there they got their fucking tools and everything and you just i have no idea what's going on you know i'm just like trust in your judgment well their hands are in you yeah right so it's the other way around exactly you're they're completely 
their hands are completely in you, in your mouth. Uh, I don't like the dentist. Actually, actually, we didn't talk about this last week because we talked about this uh, this appointment you had yesterday last week. I was supposed to get some teeth pulled before the whole COVID thing happened. I got to figure out when to hop back in there and actually. You got to get that done, dude. I know. I know. They deteriorate really quick, you know, and you don't, if you like let it fester, it gets worse. Ugh, teeth, man. I sort of just want to go full veneer and say, fuck it. <laughs> just just get all <laughs> never, caps. Never deal with it again. I think you that's still have to deal with though. it because, like, my dad's caps, like, fall out and shit. Yeah. Uh, the dentist. Uh, I don't pity them. Isn't that, like, it's toll booth operators and dentists. They're, like, two of the highest rates of suicide because they're very unhappy. Really? I think so. The dentist Could I went wrong. to is a new dentist that I've never used before. And it's a husband-wife team. They're fuck- they were fantastic. They were super happy. Well, maybe every dentist office should have a husband-wife team. You right? got somebody there to support you. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Good for them. They're probably crushing it. Um, fuck, man. Not a big I, list this week. I told Shortest them I had the podcast today. I was like, don't fuck up my mouth too much. I got the podcast. <laughs> right. What do they, they ask you what the podcast is about? Did yeah. you get to shield Bitcoin? I told, I, I told them to subscribe and to enable auto downloads at least, even if they don't want to listen. Yeah. And if you freaks are out there, you haven't subscribed yet. Subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe, enable auto downloads. It does great for visibility on iTunes and Spotify. Actually, I don't know about Spotify. Uh, like I was saying, pretty short list uh, when comparing it to weeks of, of recent past here. But uh, you were mentioning it feels like a busy week, but it's just like the price has gone, has gone up price? quite a bit. When we recorded when we recorded last RHR, it was 9,200-ish, right? Yeah. Yeah, it was like 92 or 91 even. Let me open up my journal here. Was the last one, the last one was the Twitter hack episode? Was yeah. Two episodes ago. It was two episodes. The two episodes hack was ago, at like 9,100, Yeah, two episodes ago, it would have been around 92.12. Tuesday, July 14th, it was 92.12, and I wrote it down in my journal. That um, was two episodes ago. Two episodes but ago. But I think so. last episode was also... It was below 10K. I think it was like 92-ish. Yeah. I mean, it consolidated for a little while. We were talking about it. We said, hey, volatility's on the way, whether it be up or down. <laughs> Uh, we were unsure. Up. It turned out to be up. Uh, uh, it feels so good. It's the best drug ever. When it goes stock out. to flow. Stock to flow validated right now. Maybe. I ridiculous. <laughs> we're sitting at uh, eleven thousand one hundred thirty-four dollars, according to Clark Moody's Bitcoin dashboard. Clark Moody, who we'll be speaking with tomorrow morning, very pumped for that. Looking forward to that. Uh, he added some new metrics this week. Uh, we just how crazy was fucking. Everyone like lost their shit on Twitter just uh, <laughs> on that one move. And I want to remind people that we're still two hundred dollars short from l- last year's local high when I told everyone to market buy Bitcoin twenty nineteen. We still have not hit that point yet. So everybody that bought that day is still down. Still down. On yeah. that Unless they do- if they dollar cost averaged, then then they're not. N- yes. Because we got um, a lot cheaper prices since then. I saw somebody was sharing a chart in a back channel. Uh, 
something like 97 if you bought bitcoin any like 97.7 percent of bitcoin's existence if you had bought it like you'd uh, 97.7 percent of people are up right uh that's not the correct i think it was based There's, on utxos right it was like realized cap i don't even know if it was realized cap i think no it was just taking in price because it wasn't including custodial exchanges and people that were just on custodial exchanges i think the way to uh to properly phrase this is that price has been below where it was at its highest point in the last couple of days 97.7 percent of the time i think that's the correct way to phrase it um maybe we're talking about different things but what i saw was an on-chain metric the hot waves are going up the one year hot waves at like yeah i'm bittersweet on that i don't want to see the hot waves go up because you want people mixing? You should be coin joining, you know? You should be opening channels and shit. Like, what, what, what's going on, guys? Complacency, man. Complacency. Fees are going to go up. It's going gonna, it's gonna to get prohibitively expensive to coin join. I saw you tweeting that earlier this week. They are going up. I'm feeling the fee FOMO. You feeling the fee FOMO? I am. I am. Hand, hand, hand up here, though. I haven't sent a transaction in a little over a week, so I don't think I've... Uh, I've experienced that. I've have uh I have remixes going on right now that are just on on autopilot. But this isn't on the list. And actually while we're on this subject, I'll bring it up. Merch from Bitco and one of the maintainers of Bitcoin Stack Exchange put out a great piece on UTXO management, uh particularly how enterprise users should manage their UTXOs uh, to to avoid high fee pressure. As much as possible. Very informative piece. Did you read that by chance? No, we don't have it on the list, right? No, I don't think so. I should have threw it on there, but it just came to my mind. I read it yesterday morning. Um, what was the a, synopsis? He just basically laid out strategies for enterprise users oh, and different it. types of users. Um, if you Google merch BitGo, it just comes right up. Yeah. Uh, talking about how to move UTXOs between cold, warm, and hot wallets and how to consolidate transactions and the best like formats to use. like exchanges and stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. It's pretty informative. And then I think Francis tweeted from Bull Bitcoin that um, they intend to open source their, uh, their batching algorithm or whatever. Is that included in CypherNode? Yeah, because player? it's like a plug-in to CypherNode. And the reasoning is because non-custodial it's a lot more difficult to operate one of these non-custodial exchanges in a high fee environment because you have to send a transaction every time um someone sends you money but if you like think about it like if you're if you're doing custodial um someone buys from you and they might not withdraw for however long and then when they do withdraw you can do like a uh, you can very simply do a batch setup where you like wait 30 minutes and send them all out together yeah this is why I'm excited for OpCTV. It lets you pre-program this stuff. And actually, we'll get we'll talk about it later. But I'm pretty sure what Nadav. I'm sorry, I'm going to butcher your last name here. Ivigi dropped Sheshak his uh, his Twitter and GitHub name uh, Minsk. I don't even know how to pronounce that either. Minsk. Um, that's how I've been saying it in my mind, at least. I haven't tried week. to pronounce it. <laughs> and. Uh, I think you can do similar stuff with that as well. But we'll talk about that in detail later. 
uh, staying on the dashboard here, talked about new new information that Clark added this week. Probably the best information he's added in some, some time. Commodities, markets, priced in Bitcoin. So Bitcoin priced in gold, Bitcoin versus gold market cap, and Bitcoin priced in oil, which is probably like everybody's talking about bitcoin in u.s dollars but i want to see bitcoin in in gold and um compared to gold's market cap so right now uh bitcoin priced in gold will get you f- one bitcoin will get you 5.7 ounces of gold uh and bitcoin is 1.64 percent of gold's market cap a lot of potential upside there if uh if bitcoin is to overtake gold as a predominant store of value in the world and uh, Bitcoin price 280 barrels of oil for my Bitcoin. <laughs> 200, right. That's going to go up significantly. I bet that'll hit at least 1,000 barrels in this bull run. And so, yeah, let's talk about it. I mean, we don't talk price a lot here. We try to stray, stay away from it, but fuck it. We don't get, it's been fucking boring for so long. <laughs> let's, uh, let's bull dream here. If this is a bull market, like how it feels like, how do you it. think it plays out, right? But who knows? Maybe that means we're about to dump because I'm just like ridiculously bullish. Well, don't tell anybody to market buy yet. Uh-huh. I mean, just market buy every week, responsibly. Every, yeah, I'm. Uh, I forget who. Maybe it was Robert Breedlove tweeted it out. Made a very interesting point. And I think it's confirmed with all the headlines that have been coming out and the conversations that are going on and reports like the one that Fidelity dropped earlier today that this bull market's going to be dominated by institutional investors using Bitcoin as a macro play, as a, as a hard asset. Is it for real this time or is it still a meme? <laughs> oh, right. Fidelity's, we... Fidelity's paper was an aspirational store of value. <laughs> right. Shout out to Rhea. Uh, Ria's last name's escaping me right now. Butoria? Yes, Butoria. Um, she has incredible, incredible research. And I'm pretty sure she's a freak, too. She yeah, I mean, we saw backed this this week with the pump, both backed and CME hit all-time highs. Uh, backed with volume, just like straight spiked, and CME with open interest. Um, yeah, it was like the highest volume by far. It, the chart looked unnatural on this, how high that spike was. Uh, well, we broke. Yeah. So, like, right now we're sitting, like, right below 9,000 sats per dollar, right? Um, so, 1,000 sats per dollar is 100K. Do we get there? Seems re- 1,000 sats per dollar seems really reasonable to me, right? Yeah, and or is that crazy? Is that like moon math? No, I don't think so. I think that's pretty conservative. If we're talking about like the height of the next cycle and like that's where a the 10x. mania level hits, that's a ten x cycle. Like I think we could go twenty x at least. I wouldn't be surprised if we go like two fifty or above. All I know is for like the last the, year, the blow off top, the blow off top, like the last year in my mental math. Um, my mental math as always has been a million sats is a hundred dollars. Um, we've gone up, we've gone down, we went to 13, we went down to three. Uh, now we, then we went back up and we're sitting at nine for however long, but the whole time, uh, a million sats were for a hundred dollars, right? 10,000 sats per dollar. 
So I wonder how long it takes me, even if we pump, it's going to take me a little bit to, to like reconfigure my mental model there. Like I've, I've anchored, I've, I've anchored on that, on that price. It's not a bad problem to have, but I have too. I've, I've had a hundred dollars as a million Satoshis in my mind for quite some time. It's good to see us break out of that consolidation. If anything, it's just like a little, a little bit more exciting. Well, I mean, the, uh, yeah. the memes. Hey, shout out to Bitstein coming out with some great memes. Well, he's been quiet for the last couple of months. He'd been he had been taking a step back. So then, you know, as soon as it started getting roaring, he just came in with the vengeance. It had been all pent up. <laughs> that one, the one with that. Excuse me if I'm making terrible assumptions here. The Eastern European like guy, like making like the high. Yeah. <laughs> I love that one so much. That one gets me every fucking time. It's a very good one. Yeah. Well, that was price talk. We're not gonna we're not gonna focus on it too much. It's pumping. We'll see. I, I bet. Uh, I bet. Um, trillion, hundred trillion dollar USD. Uh, plan B is is excited right now. Maybe his stock to flow models being validated. Uh, but we shall see. Continuing on Clark's dashboard on the more pertinent things. Uh, the next difficulty retarget is in 1,598 blocks. is estimated to be on August 11th. And it's pretty flat right now. Actually, I'm looking at Clark's dashboard. The block time is coming in at 10 minutes per block right now. So it's like coming in exactly at the target. Uh, and the estimated difficulty change is 0.1% upwards on the 11th. And that is obviously subject to change as we are um, almost two or a little less than two weeks away. So that mean there was a difficulty adjustment between last week and this week? Yes. Between their episodes? All right. So the difficulty adjusted downward 3% about... Um, yeah, what's that, like 600, 618 blocks ago, according to right now? Um, I don't know the exact date that happened. Uh, mempool, like we said, starting to fill up a little bit. It's 51,400 trans, 51, transactions are in the mempool, Clark's mempool right now. Uh, blocks to clear 66, so that number's going up. Like Matt said, be, be cognizant, and I think I saw... Michael Tidwell tweeting that uh, if you're sending transactions at two sats per byte, they've been clearing within a couple of days. So just be conscious if you're sending transactions or approaching the weekend. Yeah. Um, let's talk about fees a little bit. Yeah. Just to prep it. the freaks, the new freaks we have here that were in here in 2017. Um, so the biggest thing that affects your fee price is how many inputs you have on the input side. How many transactions are need to be combined to reach the amount that you're sending? So and let's your say inputs, what? your inputs, your inputs are your UTXOs. A so UTXO right. is a future input in a Let, transaction. Let's say you receive to a wallet a transaction with 100 sats, a transaction with 150 sats, and a transaction with 250 sats. And you need to send... Uh, what did I say? 350, 400, 500 sats. So you need to send 500 sats. So you have to send all three of those transactions. They all get combined on the input side. And then on the output side, 
is one transaction for 500. If it was 450, it'd be one trans one UTXO for 450, and then a change output for 50 coming back to you. Um, so the the main cost you have on on is on the input side, and then also what type of uh, addresses those input UTXOs are. Um, if it starts, if it's native SegWit, it starts with if they all start with BC one, you're going to have the lowest fees. Then if it if it's wrapped and it starts with a three, then you're going to have the second tier. And then if their legacy address is ones, you're going to have the highest, the highest fees. fees. And yeah, then believe, yeah, go on. I, be, I believe wrapped SegWit is something like fifteen percent higher than native SegWit. Yeah, impact thirty two. Yeah. So then, on top of that, fees are not a static thing. If you go to mempool.space, or if you have a MyNode, they have it built in, um, so you can run it locally. Uh, you can see what the graph looks like on on what transactions are are waiting to be confirmed. And it's a range. So if you're willing to wait longer, you can choose a lower fee than if you want it to confirm right away. Especially if you're sending to yourself, there's no disadvantage of picking a lowest fee possible because you can always bump it in the future. Uh, you're just sending to yourself. There's no, there's no trust there. And if you're receiving a low fee transaction, you can include it in a future transaction to bump the fee yourself. So you can always bump a fee that comes to you. Um, I think we nailed a lot of things there. Yeah. But as the mempool gets backed up too, also take into consideration that nodes propagating your transactions via their mempools, uh, they're going to, they're going to take priority to higher fees too. So if you have a really yeah, low they might fee, drop you your transaction. Yeah. You may have to rebroadcast that at some point, but then um, you could just take, rebroadcast it. Yeah. With a fresh, fresh fee, but be aware of that. Um, on like a practical point of view, like so, like right now, like if I go to mempool.space, what is the one, the one, one confirm amount? Uh, looks like it's about one fifty sats per byte. Um, you know, it's it's pretty much ridiculous to have to pay that that high of one. You can probably get confirmed in a in a couple blocks if you pick something a little bit lower, like a one thirty or a one twenty. If you're willing to wait at least a day or so, like instead of dropping all the way, this is from a practical standpoint, instead of dropping all the way down to one sat per byte, you drop down to like like 10 or 15. Yeah, Clark's, Clark's dashboard saying 11 sats per byte will get you in a day. Exactly. And that's like, that's significantly less than the 160 or whatever to get into the first block. And it'll be significantly quicker than if you try and save those fucking 10 sats per byte. Uh, on the transaction for like limited extra cost. Yeah, and staying true to the don't trust verify mantra. Make sure you're checking these sites with fee estimations and and not. Tr I mean, some wild estimates are better than others, but it's always best to get a second opinion uh, outside of your wallet and make sure you're able to manually input that as well. So what I foresee is I remember in 2017. Once the fees started getting high, is people, what they do is to reduce their future fees, they consolidate all their transactions. Um, and and what you, basically what you do is you like generate a receive address in your wallet, and then you do a send all to that receive address, and then all of a sudden all your coins in that wallet are in a single UTXO, and your fees will be the lowest fees possible. 
this is absolutely horrible for privacy. Um, so if the Mr. Whole, Hoddle's, yeah. Mr. Hoddle's worst mistake, he said. Uh, yeah. I think he said on Twitter. So that's my concern. My concern is is fees go up, and the incentive is going to be to do this horrible privacy practice because you'll save substantially on the fees, um, which is why yeah. people should be experimenting with CoinJoin now before fees get ridiculous. Yes, and develop good practices in moving your UTXOs from whether it be uh, a KYC exchange or non-KYC exchange. Try to make sure that you're able to send or like you're sweeping those wallets after a certain thresholds met. So you're not just sending, yeah, let's say like 150 sats per transaction. Just wait till you hit a million, 10 million sats. Yeah, like if and, you're on Cash App and you're doing five dollars a buy, like don't yeah. withdraw your five dollars. You know, wait, no. wait till it hits a hundred dollars or whatever. Yeah. Um, Otherwise, you end up with a ton, ton of tiny little transactions, and it can just really fuck you. Especially if you get hit with fee FOMO, and you're like, "Oh my god, it's never gonna happen." Because you can, you can always cover your ass in the future by doing like small, like doing certain transactions at low low sat per byte but if you think it's a runaway and we're not going to get back down to low sat per byte you can do end up making big mistakes there yes i mean learn for you freaks that weren't around during december 2017 january 2018 i mean coinbase ran into dust issues so dust is when you have utxos that aren't spendable because they they don't reach the lowest threshold of the, the current fee market. And they have less Coin- in them than the fees cost to move them. Yes. And Coinbase had something like $3 million worth of dust stored in UTXOs. I and it was even more than that. Wasn't it like an insolvency risk type of amount? No, I don't think so. I think it was like $3 million or something like that. Yeah. Um, but it's still a significant amount of money. And they were a company that's been around since 2012, made that mistake so uh try to learn from their mistake and, and well they prepare also thought the block size was gonna rise so they didn't have to <laughs> worry about it uh yeah well it didn't and it bit them in the ass but and and so these fees come in waves who knows if this next wave will be bigger and last longer uh but it is interesting like the network that's it's sort of fascinating the network's like a le- living breathing being where like fees go up a certain point, people are just like unwilling to pay them. The mania dies down. Uh, do you the think fee we market have more outlet valves this time, like more relief valves, because we do have, you know, Segwit adoption is still, you know, my my guess would be like what, like fifty percent or something, right? There's a site that tracks it. I think it's higher. I think it's like sixty or above. But there's definitely more services that can adopt Segwit, and then Lightning adoption is like basically nothing. Uh, Right, so like we could see, the high the the ultimate incentive to to get lightning set up is is high fees, sustained high fees. Yeah, and it's like a relief valve. And again, I highly recommend if you guys haven't already, go read the article that Merch put out earlier this week, and he he explained that in twenty seventeen, twenty eighteen, using Coinbase as an example, that enterprises weren't even ready for it and they weren't prepared for it, and they didn't understand batching or using segwit and so this time around i'm sure we're at 64 percent yeah 
Transaction uh, fee.info. 64% of transactions spent are SegWit right now. Yeah. So this is part of the double-edged sword of self-sovereignty and extreme ownership that comes with Bitcoin. You have to think ahead, I guess, because it, it's right in line with low time preference and, and planning ahead is planning to be able to use your UTXOs on the network and making sure that each UTXO will be spendable at some point in the future where there is a higher fee regime. So um, be aware, be aware, plan accordingly. Uh, hopefully this was helpful advice, actionable advice. That's what we aim to do here at RHR. We didn't even, even left the dashboard yet. Like I said, though, it's a light, light news week, so we can shoot the shit a little bit. Should we jump into shout-outs before we... Uh, yeah, let's hit them with some shout-outs. Right. I heard we have we a very special one in there. we got a very special one. We'll start with that one. Um, this is for you, Matt. Matt Odell has a cluck, a cluck mentality from our boy Vake. C-L-U-C-K. Shout-out to you, Vake. Love you, Vake. Thanks, Vake. Vake promised me he was going to give us a shout-out after he took my money in poker on Tuesday. Did so he take I, more money than the shout-out cost? I hope so. Yes. So I guess that was kind of my shout-out. <laughs> I kind of bought that shout-out for myself. Big fan of Vake. Appreciate um, it, Vake. Thanks, thanks, for the, thanks for the kind words. If you're ever up north, Vake, let us know. I hope all is well in Florida. I hope we don't see you in a Florida man uh, well, headline at some point. He's supposed to be going to Bitblock Boom, so we should see him soon. No boss. What's that? Three weeks? Four weeks? A month, exactly a month from now? Yeah, pretty much. A little bit less. Um, pit block boom, Dallas. What are, are we putting any odds that, that the state of Texas tries to shut it down? You know, Gary's bullish. It's hard not to be bullish with Gary when Gary's bullish, so I am He's bullish probably, as well. He probably has the cause for most concern in this situation, too, so if he's bullish... Um, our, our Bitcoin boomer friend, uh, maybe we should be too. Did you freeze? You're just staring at me. Uh, I think, I, I mean, you froze for me. I don't know. Okay. We froze there a little bit. All right. Second shout out. We appreciate your shout outs. Shout out at tftc.io slash contribute. This one again, got to read it verbatim. What are you waiting for? Grab the bull by the horns, stack sats, marry the person you love, make or adopt a baby, grow your family, and tell your family members and friends you love them. No homo. This is your one chance. Life is short. Make it sweet. Long time preference stay to mine. You freaks are my fam. I love you. No homo. Shout out to that Anon freak. We don't know who it was? Don't know who it was. Sounds like Marty made that shout out. I I mean, I I agree with a lot of the... uh, the uh, the message in the shout out, but uh, you were quite passionate me. about it. Well, anyway, not, we appreciate we, we, talk, we appreciate you, freaks. Yes, we love you, freaks. Uh, you guys are our fam too. And we talked about that situation. That would be laundering money. I think we came on to to the conclusion. Well, yeah, if if you actually sent money in, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it wasn't me. No, I, no. I've been scared away from doing that. So <laughs> what a good boy. <laughs> um. Speaking of the good boys, we're going to go the opposite of good boy here. Bad boys. Ledger. What the fuck? Uh, Ledger, a company that is 
notorious for hacking other hardware wallet companies couldn't secure their database. Uh, they had a customer personal information hack uh, that leaked a bunch of info. Their marketing uh, I think, database got hacked. Yeah, and it started it started leaking in February, I believe. Somebody sent me the email. Um, um, I think there was two different. I think this some, leak was supposedly a month ago. And 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 Ledger f- says that the previously disclosed leak was not a leak; that it was fake, at least according to Ledger. Yeah, the one where they all the data like we talked about that one, right? Right, that one we talked about. Ledger that denies to this day that that was a vulnerability. But I, I believe that. I think that was like a fake hacker. Right, and then a month ago, there was a different hack, and a million email addresses were taken, and ninety five hundred well, names. And or phone numbers and or social security and no, address, not social security correct. and no and or addresses where they where yeah. they lived, where they got the ship to. Yeah, million no social million, security numbers. No one gives million email addresses. That's a good point. A million email addresses, ninety five hundred names, numbers, and home addresses and or for the 9500 it's like a subset there's that's what they're saying and they if if you're part of the 9500 they emailed you specifically what information was taken but some people presumably had their home addresses taken if they've shipped they've shipped hardware wallets to their home addresses yes but i do believe this hack started earlier in the year and it was brought to their attention a month ago because of their bounty program correct like they have a bounty program and somebody uh, participating in that program pointed it out to them and said hey this may have started like earlier in the year if i remember correctly i could be wrong though um they said it was exploited on june 25th was when everything was taken. okay all right i'm thinking of something else then. i mean there's there's people claiming on twitter that there was another hack earlier but ledger's still denying that yes anyway this is all moot you should assume all of these databases are going to get hacked at some point. Like this is this is what you have to operate under, right? And when you if you there's like simple steps you can take to reduce that that threat footprint. Obviously, like if you can buy these things in person, that's preferable, but unfortunately, Bitcoin hardware isn't sold at Best Buy. Uh so it's like you can't go and buy with cash. Um so Unless, like, they have them at conferences sometimes. Some of these cities have Bitcoin stores that resell them, which could be useful. Um, If you're ordering it online, you don't want to use a credit card as a payment because the billing address of the credit card can link to you. Um, You want to use a VPN so they don't have your IP address. Uh, And for shipping... You don't want to ship it to your home address. You could they, there's these remailer services you can use where they automatically ship it. It adds like a hop, uh, tour style to your thing. Then of course you're trusting the remailer service, right? But at least you don't have it in a honeypot on uh, like a Bitcoin specific hardware thing. Then they have PO boxes, which you're probably gonna have to do KYC for, right? But once again, you're just like you're reducing the threat. Um, one idea I like. Yeah, office. But one idea I really like is if you're moving out or a friend's moving out and they're getting a new apartment, this is good for city, city, city dwellers particularly. They're getting a new apartment, get, just get a shit ton of hardware shipped to the apartment right before they leave, like the last month before they go out. 
It's a great idea. I've, I've done that before. Yeah. And it it does bring you peace of mind. When you move from from an apartment where you've sent stuff to, it's like, ah, yeah, don't have to worry about that clean. shit anymore. Um, yeah, so you should yeah. assume this shit is going to get compromised. Yeah, but number one, assume that. But number two, there could be better practices, data cleansing practices by these hardware providers. I saw Trezor sort of stepped in and rubbed Ledger's nose in the shit, uh, claiming that they have a 90-day data scrubbing policy where they'll scrub the the contents of their e-com store after every 90 days or or on a rolling 90-day basis. Yeah, I mean, it should be... It should be applauded, but people have to remember there's no way for us to verify this. This is the same way why, like, you should use the VPNs that claim to keep no logs. There's no way that we can verify they're keeping no logs. Um, you know, Trezor has, has Trezor and Ledger both have address information on their servers for people that are using their nodes and stuff like that. Uh, so the, there is... There's, uh, there's always going to, you should just assume, you should operate under the assumption that they won't be scrubbed. We should have people, we should advocate for them to scrub shit, but we should, you should also at the same time just operate under the assumption that it's not being effectively scrubbed. Um, yeah. That's a good, yeah, that's a good practice. And then I also want to say, like, I feel like Ledger handled, I mean, they could have done it earlier. Um, but if you're with these types of disclosures, it's good that they did a public disclosure which we still haven't seen BlockFi do, even though BlockFi had more information taken. And then they did a targeted disclosure to the 9,500 that was a subset. Um, So that's good at least. Uh, And then the one other thing I would say is, you know, these are issues that as Bitcoin adoption goes up, um, they kind of get obviated because just everyone's assumed to be a Bitcoiner. So it's not like, oh, this is like a list of, this is a list of Bitcoiners that have hardware wallets, right? It's just like everyone has one. So so it does get reduced over time. Yeah, I would agree with that. And while we're on the public service announcement tip here, I think uh, our boy Bashko, who's one of the Reddit mods, Twitter OG, he made a very good point this week too. Like, make sure you, like, if we are going into a bull market here, and I've experienced this personally in 2017, like, if it goes up and you have good amount of your sash sitting on one hardware wallet. It gets stressful that that hardware wallet gets heavy in your hand. So to avoid that potential future feeling, make sure you get your security down pat with it. And it's whatever is most comfortable to you, whether it's multi-sig with a trusted friend or family member, collaborative custody with, with a third party provider, um, just splitting it up between many single sigs that you're comfortable, um, protecting and, and feel confident that you're you're able to protect them think about that now and not when the price runs up to the crazy levels we were talking about earlier and it was like really hard to get hardware wallets at that point too they were all back yes. um, yeah. like i guess i guess a good rule of thumb is like you should your security should be like 10x current price right does that seem fair mm-hmm. Yes, yes, I, I, that's a very like anything over that. It might you might be shooting yourself in the foot. It might be like too overkill, and you just like screw yourself anyway. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um, no, I, I'm actually supposed to take a trip in November. My wife and I were going to get out of Dodge for the the whole election uh, theater, and I'm preparing for that. Um, just thinking of that, like all right. 
got to get everything on lock. International? I'm not going to say exactly where, but yeah. And that, I thought I was being vague enough. Well, I'll ask you after the pod. Yeah. I mean, we'll be close. Not too far away. Um, no, it's, again, it's better to be prepared than to be uh, caught with your pants down and sort of shocked and scrambling at a moment in the future. And you'll regret it if you don't, if you don't prepare. And I'm just saying this from, from experience, like legit, like anxiety. And I know, you, I mean, that's, that's why you started final message, correct? Yeah. I was about to say, that's like the whole idea of final message came around. <laughs> just like, Oh my God, if I fall off the skateboard, I'm fucked. <laughs> and then like one time I remember, uh, we were like, I was going to Thanksgiving I was I was going to like Thanksgiving 2017 probably Thanksgiving 2017, um, and I had my whole family in the car, and I was like, if this car crashes, it's all gone. There's no <laughs> like, I, the the redundancy was not correct. I did not have the redundancy set up properly for that situation. Yeah. This this is you got to think it through. Get paranoid, but not too paranoid. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Don't overthink it and and make it so you shoot yourself in the foot. Um, but just think about it. Just think about it. Um, again, these are the responsibilities that come with the extreme ownership of the digital bear, sh- uh, bear asset that is Bitcoin. So be aware. This is a big be aware episode. Um, this was interesting. I've been looking at this dashboard. It doesn't seem like they're disclosing too much information. I like the flows into are you on a from VPN? the exchange. Um <laughs> not right now because we're recording. Okay, but. so Chain Analysis officially got an, an extra IP address of a Bitcoiner. So that's an announcement. Ah, lovely. Yeah, so I think part of it is 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 that reason. I think they're trying to... So this is... Chain Analysis historically has kept all of their products behind uh, door and key. So you had to be a paying subscriber. Super high fee is like $100,000, $125,000 a year. Um, you should have like, put a warning in the show notes. And they logged. I just got got. <laughs> it clearly shows chainanalysis.com, bro. I know, um, but like, I thought of it. Well, I was going to give the freaks a warning. You know, like, I'm don't not as go paranoid with, as you. Don't go there without a VPN or on uh, tour. But now they have a public dashboard. It's like, uh, you know, it, it's the charts are pretty cool. It's nothing. It's not. It's not the juicy data you want to see they have, though. Yeah, well, they're a surveillance firm, so it's definitely to collect information on people who visit it. They uh, surveillance firm that lost lost a man to to the good side. Oh yeah, the Square Crypto uh, new grantee. Yeah, he's going to be focusing on design, correct? UI and UX design. Yeah, did you see Jeremy Rubin like wanted him to give us a make culpa? Yes, yes, I did. He didn't respond though. Thor didn't respond. I liked uh, the Square Crypto tweet was like, he's working on Bitcoin now to atone for his sins. (laughs) I like to think he was uh, reading the bent and and you were like, how can you live with yourself? Hey, if you're working at one of these companies, look within. What are you doing? What are you helping? You're helping an evil state. Go listen to the episode I had with Whitney Webb that I dropped last night. You're helping those people that we talked about. Just know that. 
Um, well, anyway, it's good on a positive note. It's good to see him leave chain analysis. Yes. And actually, like I was on the Hablamos uh, de Bitcoin show. Um, <laughs> Satoshi in Venezuela, right? Yeah, but it's like the Wednesday shows like Hablamos de, de Bitcoin. And um, no, we talked about this too. Like, do you, do you see the benefit of them like sort of highlighting where the pain points are and where, where we need to improve them? Like, are they a net benefit in the long run? Uh, in that in that regard, they're not. They're they're just are. They just exist. They're not a net benefit. They're not a net negative. It's like if if the capability exists, someone's gonna do it, and they can still go fuck themselves. And like the solution is to fuck their business model, not to like ask their ask them to find reason and morality. You know. Yeah. Well, anyway. They got this dashboard. If you guys want to go see some cool charts of like exchange flows and shit like that, make sure you're using a VPN. Don't don't fuck up like Uncle Marty just did. <laughs> um, it's okay. out there. I'm gonna open it. I'm gonna open it nooner after that one. Uh, this was really cool. Again, very underrated Bitcoiner in my mind. Somebody who I was lucky and am lucky to call a friend. Got really close uh, before I became a new New Yorker. Leah Zhang. Um, in conjunction with uh, Karthik Venkatesh, put out a piece uh, last week called The Alchemy of Hash Power. I wrote about it in the Bent on Monday. Excuse me for that burp. But uh, it's part one of a, I believe, a two- or three-part series. And it's uh just dives into the dynamics of the mining world, particularly how miners uh, look at their break-even prices, uh, based or break even levels based on uh, at what point they bought their hardware, when they plugged it in, where the hash rate is, where the Bitcoin price is. And if you're somebody who's interested in uh, learning more about like the economy, the economics that go into mining and the variables that miners are thinking about, this is an incredible piece. And I think Leo particularly has a very good grasp on the mining industry and how hash power and the hardware sort of go together with price and, and difficulty at any given point in time. And uh, he he really put out, I think this piece is going to be helpful for miners, especially endeavoring miners and hand up at GAM, like looking at some of the formulas he put together um, for like days to break even and adding in sensitivity to Bitcoin price based on the model of, of the ASIC. Uh, it, it's really well done. And I think this piece in the series is going to help people better understand the mining industry. And as the mining industry matures, becomes a little bit more transparent and more professional. One of the biggest hurdles that we face at GAM is, is convincing uh, prospective investors that it's worthwhile and it's because of a lack of uh, insight into it has been because of a lack of insight into uh, like break-even points and the collateral that you can get within this space and I think Leo's doing a great job to sort of help push that ball forward and make it easier for miners to, to prove that they can create legitimate businesses I thought the graphics were really cool as well like his visualizations. Yeah, the uh, the heat map. Like the, the correlation chart of machine price versus network metrics. Um, I really like the sensitivity to Bitcoin price chart. 
that was a that was a pretty pretty jarring chart. The M20s looks looks like a pretty solid machine. Very happy we chose that as a game. The what's miners? Yeah, and then uh, I mean that was just like the first half of the article. Second half gets into hedging products and strategies that could be deployed, which is another part of of getting funding is, is proving that you could hedge uh, some risk in this market and. Leah lays out some strategies that could be deployed and, and what products you can access to deploy them. So huge shout out to Leo. Cheers. Uh, what he's doing at Anasa Research is it's been it's been incredible so far. I think this is only a second piece, maybe his third piece, but um, he's putting out I very think it's high the quality. Second one. Yeah. Three body problem is the first one. Yeah. Um, and this is hey, this is a sign of the maturation of Bitcoin and the legitimization of Bitcoin and the professionalism, professionalism that, that is developing within the space. Mining historically has been very opaque and, and non-transparent and um, more content like this. It just makes Bitcoin overall more legitimate in my mind. So go check it out. And I think part two should be dropping soon too. So be on the lookout for that. And if you're not following Leo, I think he's criminally underfollowed in the space. You'll find him. I think it's at Leo Zhang, Z-H-A-N-G, on Twitter. Uh, yeah. Maybe Leo R. Zhang. Leo R. Zhang. Yeah. Leo's great. Um, yeah, a lot of good. A lot of good stuff this week. Not too many updates. We got a f- few updates, but something I wrote about today... Um, that dropped earlier this week, two days ago, I believe. Uh, our boy, we mentioned it earlier in the episode. Shesik, uh dropped. See, you have it. Where are we going with Minshik? Oh, I I put an I in there, right? Yeah, you put Mini, Minsk. Mini SC. I put. Yeah, it's M I N S C, but basically it's a Minsk. it's a mini script. It's a mini script based scripting language. I want to actually talk about this for a while because I and expand on what I talked about in the bent today because I think this is huge and really sort of confirms the the conservative approach to to development that Bitcoiners or that the Bitcoin project has right like his Vitalik was focused on Bitcoin he started Bitcoin magazine he was talking to Satoshi and, and bitcointalk.org uh, trying to push Bitcoin forward, and he's got sort of frustrated that Bitcoin's scripting language wasn't as robust as he wanted it to be in 2013, 2014. And the, I mean, the development mentality of the Bitcoin core developers is like, hey, let's slow and steady, let's not break anything, let's make sure everything's as scalable, efficient, and robust as possible, and all these things will be nice to have in the future. And uh, Dov, Shesik, dropping... Minsk, I think, is just a confirmation of that that mentality and that approach. Like we, this. So what this is is a uh, scripting language that basically makes it a lot easier to create complex smart contracts on top of Bitcoin. Uh, so you can do things uh, like create something similar to Green uh, Green Wallet's two FA, uh, something similar to HTLCs, uh, creating pre-images for them and you're just going to be able to 
construct Bitcoin transactions that do pretty, uh, what's the correct word, expressive, expressive things and get pretty granular. And it just makes Bitcoin more programmable at the end of the day. So that, that was a huge meme for Ethereum early on. It was like programmable money. And people would say, oh, Bitcoin will never do that. But as I've been saying on this podcast and the newsletter for a while, like anything these altcoins can do will probably eventually get brought into Bitcoin in one way or another. And, and this sort of proves that correct, at least in my mind. What do you think, Matt? I mean, it's it's more limited, but that's a feature, not a bug. Yes, yes. That's why I, I quoted Luke Childs um, in the Ben today. He said, compare it to Solidity, which is the scripting language that Ethereum created to create their smart contracts. I'm not even sure if they use Solidity anymore. I think they might move on to something else, but it, if they did, they had to because Solidity was so shit. Um, I think Luke Childs said something like, Minsk is easy to write and very hard to fuck up, where Solidity is hard to write and easy to fuck up. Um, so just a very good approach to this type of development. And and this doesn't need any soft fork or anything. Right? No, it's based, it's based off a yeah. of mini script, which I think just dump into um, the transactions. As per soft fork, though, we we still have Taproot activ- activation hopefully coming up sooner rather than later. And uh, BitMix Research did a really good uh, explainer on activation methods um, that we could go through. Yes, let's go through it. They had a good one, and Aaron Van Weirdum had well, a good we, one as well. We went over Aaron's last time, so I'm yeah. not. I don't even think we need to necessarily go through this BitMix piece but it's it's nice that you have another perspective basically it's it's the same idea as aaron's piece yes just walking it through so it goes into like bitbait uh which was proposed by uh luke dasher um and so i i like this particular uh whatever you want to call it chart not a chart but uh a gradient. What is the, I can't even describe it. Around the right BitMEX now. article. Yeah, I'm looking at smooth up, upgrade, significant issues, total. That that part. Oh yeah, it's like a table, right? A table. There we go. That's the word I was looking for. Um. So that was historical activation methods. Uh, like how many smooth upgrades that we have? We have eight that were flag days or rolled out with immediate effect. Only one significant issue. Uh, so there are nine altogether with that activation method. Eight were smooth. One was an issue. We've had one activation that needed a f- to meet a 55% minor threshold. One that needed to meet 80%, and four that needed nine, or excuse me, five that needed uh, 95% of miners to signal they're ready. Four of those were smooth. One had significant issues, and um, so grand total, there's been 16, uh, upgrades, big upgrades, 13 of them went smooth, three not so smooth. And so that's like the big debate going on right now. How do we, uh, make sure that taproot Schnorr is a smooth upgrade. And like we mentioned last week, 
AJ Towns, Matt Corallo were starting the conversation on the mailing list. That's that's sort of uh, leaked out onto social media and Telegram groups. And uh, I'll just say, like being in a few minor Telegram groups, it seems like the miners just want the users to download uh, download software and signal it. Just and flag day if, it. Yeah, and if other miners aren't ready, like too bad for them. Like that's that's at least the gist I got in, in some of these conversations in these rooms. The main complaint there is right that it's like creates a de facto fork. Well, no, like a de facto developer-led process. Yes, that's what Macarrell is worried about. That's what he wrote in uh, on the mailing list in response to AJ Towns last week. And Z-Man responded to Matt. Um, I forget exactly what Z-Man said, but Matt's just was like, "Hey, we're setting a precedent here." Yes. It seems like this is a no-brainer upgrade, but will this precedent but if you put allow? The, if you put the flag day too uh, far enough ahead of time, you put the flag day in a, a year, two years ahead of time, uh, and then you just watch everyone upgrading, right? And like, if we don't hear any real complaints about it, there's been no like really structured good arguments against why not to do taproot. Um, yes, it doesn't seem that dangerous to me. Like, if you just go for it. I mean, it's like impossible to get 95% of miners to fucking uh, all signal. It's just, that's such a high threshold. So then what do you lower that threshold? And then are you even solving anything than just doing a regular flag day? Well, is it that hard to hit? Like would the, would the signaling be done via pools? Would the pools be a proxy for, for signaling? I mean, look at when we tried to hit the threshold for SegWit. Even such a, but like you had F two pool like fucking switching their version bits. Yeah, like well, you don't expect that off. to happen again. We we couldn't with they couldn't even they had trouble getting it on Litecoin and Litecoin's even it was even more centralized. Yeah, but that was much more controversial. There's, there's an argument to be made that this could be more profitable for miners, so they yeah, might so not. Then fuck why with even it. why even have them signal then? Yeah, I don't, well, again, like like we mentioned, Matt and other. I don't want to signal Matt out here. Some developers um, are worried about the precedent. And yeah. It's, I mean, it's good to have these debates, but the debate needs to end at some point, and we need to put forth a, uh, uh, an activation path. Um, the other thing about the mining signaling is, like, I'm pretty sure F2Pool is trading off of it. Because, like, Litecoin, do you remember, like, Litecoin and Bitcoin were, like, pumping and dumping depending on how close we were to, like, the sites were put up where you could, like, track it and, like, how how close we were to signaling and he'd, like, bring it really close and then he'd dump it and then he'd put it back up. Like, it gives these big pools, it gives them, like, a decent amount of power. Yeah. Power corrupts. If you get caught in the wrong, yeah. But they, there was no risk for F2 pool. When they were just pulling, when they were just playing with the activation logic, what was the risk? They weren't taking any risk. Yeah, I'm trying. I'm just thinking in my head right now. How's the game theory play out now that there are more SHA-256 shades like Bcash and BSV? Could they profit switch and fuck with it too? No, I think those are uh, just. Um, those are dead chains those are zombie chains yeah i would agree with that it's just a waste of time to even put them in any kind of calculations 
Mm-hmm. You think any legitimate miners switching over to Bcash or SV? I mean, there's. I think Poolin does profit switching. Um, it's a pretty big pool. And I, I know the Luxor guys talk about it too. I'm not sure if they do it. You're gonna disclose on the pod that Gam only only mines SV. You guys are the <laughs> uh, operation. No, I will disclose that we uh, we use Slush Pool. <laughs> And slush pool has historically been uh been very uh pro yeah, miner pro pro miner pro bitcoin particularly um yeah i don't know i mean i i would say i'm i'm okay like in the in that mining group too like i sort of agreed i was like yeah just let full node operators download the software run it and let that be the signal um then you get into the qu- uh, yeah, yeah and the, like the question is the precedent like well you have two different versions of the software one that flags days and one that doesn't right yes yes um and then there's like the whole question of all right if the flag day we hit the flag day and it doesn't uh activate how long do you wait to attempt it again and I know Matt has proposed, I believe, in January, like a six-month debate and then well, no, a reattempt. He, he's saying minor signaling first, and then if that doesn't work, then six-month debate, right? Yes, yeah. Uh, Taproot is, is like... I, I, it, it sets up so many potential upgrades that we could have in the future that we just need to, like... We just need to get it done. I agree. Believe me, I agree a hundred percent. I think, yeah, Segwit just scarred the shit out of everybody. Everybody's just like, so, nobody wants to be the one. Yeah, this to, is what I said. Yeah. Like it feels like we're creating a controversy over it. You know, like we're creating the the situation we don't want because it's we're just so so much PTSD from the last one. Yeah. I even saw like, did you see that Reddit comment from GMAX? He was just like losing it. He was like, "We just I need s- it all right already." Right. Well, Shallon Froy, if you're listening, come back and just like propose something. He says he ever left. Right. Like maybe. I mean, come back under Shallon Froy and dump something on us. Like, I would down. I would download that and run that version. I would upgrade to the version that's. It's, and this is all backwards compatible too. Like I don't see, again. I, like I don't like if it if it were to activate. Nah, I don't know. What do you freaks think? Let us know in the comments. I'm sure some of you have smarter ideas about this activation path than I do. I, I again, I, there is a window of opportunity too. I hope we don't squander that especially if we get into a chaotic bull market and that's another thing to take into consideration if we do run into a bull market like do you remember like talking to devs it's just like people get so distracted by the price that they can't even focus on that one day that we just went up like 12 percent. i got no work done that day did you get any, did you get any work done that day it was like no, ridiculous no. you got the bent out at like 3 30 i was like fuck uh, I was like, "Oh right, this is what it's like." And then like the Twitter was completely useless. Telegram was like everything. All the channels were all backed up. Yeah. All right. That was activation talk for this week. I'm sure there will be plenty more in the future, so we won't bore you too much today. 
We're going to be talking there about it for years. Oh, I hope not. I hope not. Um, we said there weren't that many upgrades this week, but there are some. If you're running a MyNode, uh, they have upgraded the version. Uh, it's not in the release notes, but it's in the, the link. Version uh, 0.2.12, and that comes... Or no, they're up version 0.2.13. looks like they just snuck in. Uh, they upgraded Caravan, uh, upgraded RTL. They had some bug fixes and refactoring. They added the Thunder Hub. Uh, they upgraded Spectre. Uh, decreased CPU usage when Electrum Wild is using my node, which is huge. I've had that problem myself. Um, and a bunch of other small little updates. So if you're running my node, consider upgrading if you if you want those updates. Uh, Tor Browser has a new release, version 9.5.3. Uh, should we just roll this right into the, the yep. zero-day disclosures? This, this is unrelated to the zero days, though. This, yeah, I was going to say. The this update just updates Firefox, NoScript, and Tor. Brings them yeah. all up to date. Yeah, but it was brought to our attention right before we came on air. Shout out to No Bullshit Bitcoin. Uh, that two tour zero days had been uh, brought to light by uh, by a researcher, and he or she, I'm not sure the gender right now, plans on releasing three more, I believe. Uh, uh, and this said something to be able to like dox or uh, DDoS nodes or something like that, or take nodes off the no, network. No, no, both vulnerabilities are detecting detecting that a, a user is trying to access the Tor network and blocking them from doing that from the ISP oh, level. Blocking um, the user. Uh, so so the, the first vulnerability, you can detect that they're connecting to Tor and you can block them from connecting to Tor. And then Tor, that, that goes to a Tor guard node, which is like the entry nodes into the network. And then Tor has bridge nodes, which are designed in these oppressive regimes where users are getting blocked out um, from accessing, they had these bridge nodes, and this guy claims that he can detect the access to the bridge nodes, so then you can block them from the bridge nodes. So they're very much related. Um, but yeah. obviously this is more relevant for places where you can't access the Tor network, where your government is blocking it to begin with. Yeah, and again, this hacker's claiming to have three more zero days that will be revealed at some point in the future. So be on the lookout for those. And for those of you freaks who are hearing the phrase zero day and wondering what the fuck is that, a zero day vulnerability is basically a, a bug that's been in the code and been overlooked since the inception of the software. Am I correct? With that uh, definition, Matt? No, a zero day is, is a bug that hasn't been responsibly disclosed. Hasn't been responsibly disclosed. I I'm thought pretty it was just sure like, that's what it means. Yeah. Okay. So like, if if you res if you responsibly disclose something and there's like sixty days, uh, that that the company knows about it before you go public with it, but if you it's a zero day, it's there's been zero days that the company knew about it. I believe that's what a zero day means. Oh, I always thought I it was zero day. No, you're right. I just looked it up. Um, I always assumed it was zero day in the sense that. It was included in the code since day zero, since launch. Um, yeah. But you're Zero correct. days, it's, like, it's got to get fixed right now. Yeah. So And it's not fixed in this latest version of Tor. 
uh, again, we found out about this right before. Well, this guy said that he, which is more troubling, right? Is he said that he's had issues trying to responsibly disclose the bugs, and that's why he's going public with it. Yeah, that's pretty fucked. Um, which isn't, that's not great to see, but who knows? Um, I mean, yeah. Tor is not perfect by any means. This is one of the reasons, you know, it's like it's, Tor is very, it's, it's got, it has mixed emotions in my heart. It's both like, you know, one of the most important projects we have. And then I just like have no faith in it whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. You talk to some people like Brian Lockhart and Gleb Nalmenko. I've talked to them about Tor. They like swear against it. Like it's CIA honey trap. You can't trust it. Yeah. But without Tor, we have like no Bitcoin privacy. I know. I know. Um, in a worst case, it's just as bad as ClearNet, right? I mean, look, it's definitely not as bad as ClearNet. I would say, <laughs> like my uneducated. But worse, opinion. but worst case, worst case. Yeah, like if it is completely. Well, no, I mean, bunk. if you're accessing a ClearNet site through Tor and it goes through an exit node, it could be worse than ClearNet from a security point of view, but not well, from actually, a privacy w- point of view. Yeah, from a privacy point of view, like it would be worse than ClearNet because you'd be using it under the assumption that you're private, and you'd be using you d- your. If it's not an HTTPS site, if it's not an SSL site, you got to using their exit node. They can manipulate the data that's in between mm. you and the website because you're going. Through, you're basically man in middling yourself. Um, that's why you should always use Onion sites if it's important. If it's not just like read-only information on Tor. Um, fortunately, with the new Tor browser, it's pretty cool. You can broadcast um, that you have an Onion site. So if you go to blockstream.info, it says onion site. Then you just click on the address bar onion site and it goes to the onion site, which is dope. Yeah. For UX wise. Be aware, freaks. Be aware. We're going to link to, what did we link to? The ZNet article? Yeah, let's just link to the ZDNet uh, overview. And then in there, there's links to the specific disclosures if you want to go check it out. Yeah. Um. We actually already hit these topics on the bottom of the list. Now we get to celebrate you. You, Ninja launching a site yesterday. Launched a lot of fanfare. I was just oh, a, stop it. I was just stop being so humble. I was emotional support. You're staying humble. Uh, uh, Dennis free, Ryman free. Uh, reached out. So actually, so like I discovered GitHub sponsors, first of all. We'll start in the beginning. Uh, a day ago, I discovered Bitcoin sponsors because someone, or two days ago, I discovered Bitcoin, uh, GitHub sponsors because someone mentioned it um, in my mentions. They like tagged me in this whole post about it, um, and then someone else was like, "Oh, like Jer- Jeremy Rubin, like Luke Dasher, uh, Fanquake, they all have GitHub sponsors enabled." So then I went and I checked which Bitcoin-related devs had. GitHub sponsors enabled, which is GitHub sponsors is like a Patreon esque thing that's run through GitHub, which is now owned by Microsoft. Microsoft takes no fees for it. It's obviously credit card. They KYC the dev um, and Microsoft take no fees for it. And if, if the dev signed up before January of this year, Microsoft matches everything. So you give them you give you sign up for Jeremy's twenty five dollars a month and Microsoft's giving him twenty five dollars a month too. it doubles. Um, but even if it's not before then, it's nice. There's no fees. Um, and then obviously, uh, so, so I saw that and I was like, well, this is awesome. And we were pumping. 
So I, like, I got super excited. I was like, everyone is like throwing their dick around on the table. I was like, it'd be nice if some of these people that are throwing their dick around on the table, like American Hoddle, like fucking supported some of the devs <laughs> that could use could use our support, right? So, so I started going through and I collated all the GitHub sponsors and I made a thread for it. Then, of course, I was immediately filled with, you know, we shouldn't be supporting Bitcoin devs through credit cards and Microsoft and them doing KYC. Like, that's just, it's like anti, a- antithetical to, to Bitcoin. So it's I was a bad like, look if you, don't, if you don't offer the other option, right? Right. So I was like, but the problem with Bitcoin, the problem with the Bitcoin donations is like they're all scattered. Like the nice thing about the GitHub sponsors is you go to a repository, you go to BTC Pay, and you can you can see all of the devs on there that have GitHub sponsors enabled. So the Bitcoin donations are all sporadic all over the place. So then I was talking on, on Twitter. I was like, you know, someone needs to make a, like just a home, like a, a landing page that just collates all of these donation pages for different devs. Um, just like a very simple aggregation site. Um, and Dennis reached out and we built it in like four hours. He had like a template all ready to go. And now any dev that wants to be on it can just submit a pull request with the information. Um, we're doing like the loosest screening ever. Uh, so there is a disclaimer on the top. Like it's not an endorsement of the specific devs, but like you'll have a central spot where you're able to go and see all their donation links with the little bio and a link to their GitHub and a link to their Twitter. Um, and it's Bitcoin which was a domain I already had. Uh, so I put it to good use. Go support, go support the devs. They could use, they could use our support. I'm proud of you, brother. It's an incredible site. I'm very happy um, that it was well received by the community as well. It's something that's long. I mean, people have been talking about it for a while. And kudos to you. Thank you for taking the bull by the horns and just fucking doing it with Dennis. Shout out to you and Dennis. Yeah, shout out Dennis. Dude fucking made it happen. Yeah, you know what? If not, if not you, then who? If not me, then who? All of you freaks listen to this have that mentality. That came out of nowhere. You... I mean, you you tease that in a group. You're like, "Yo, I'm thinking about launching this. Don't show anybody." And then, like half an hour later, it was on Twitter. <laughs> I was like, "Boss." Yeah, we were like, we were like, "Okay, okay, we think this is pretty good. Let's send it to our peers." So, like, I sent it to you, you, and like, like Dennis sent it to some people. And then we we're like, 15, 20 minutes later, he's like, "I got to do this thing," and I was like, "I got to do this thing." He's like, "Should we YOLO or should we wait tomorrow to launch?" I was like, "YOLO. We're YOLOing." And just like <laughs> it. Well. That's it's so rewarding it. just fucking getting it out there right away, you know, just like getting it fucking done. And because it's all hosted on GitHub, people can go and contribute and, and iterate from there, you know. So we have something up, and if, if we want to change it, we can just iterate out yeah. in the open. Um, I mean, you're talking to one of the biggest fans of Baptism by Fire. So, again, kudos to you. Thank you for doing that. I thank – I talked to a lot of the guests building stuff on Bitcoin and often thank them. I need to thank you for taking initiative here and – um, that's great. The devs love it, which is, and it's a pro- I mean, quote unquote problem. That's the, the beauty of like the mud. We talked earlier about like, oh, smart contracts will never be good on Bitcoin, and mud dev incentives was Dude, always. There was a like huge... four different people in my amount announcement tweet that were like mud dev incentives. Like, what if devs <laughs> need this? If if dev needs you to make a donation site, then Bitcoin's fucked. It's like no, they don't need it. It's a nice to have though. Yeah, they haven't had a site like this. For the whole time, right? Yeah. 
I just uh, love we have so many different avenues for dev funding now and it's just it's really nice to have this little like um this one's you know it's more distributed and 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 anarchy you know like anarchy than than uh than the other ones the other ones are more structured and this is a way for like individuals to give directly and it, and specifically bitcoin donations is super fucking cool I, I like that's the best donation ever that you can just send someone fucking sats through the I bl- I believe last week you were saying you're not a cypherpunk because you don't write code. I believe you I'm wrote code this week and launched it. You're a cypherpunk. Cypherpunk. <laughs> they write code, brother. Um, yeah, that's all we got for the topics other than the economy, which had a pretty pretty big announcement this morning the gdp q2 was down 32.6 percent i believe it's like our worst gdp fall ever ever or since 40s or something no by like 3x um no i'm saying since like 1940 i think even i don't think i think it's like twice as bad as then even (laughs) it wasn't even that bad then uh pretty crazy pretty crazy and so you couple that with the fact that the fed's coming out zero hedron article last night it's becoming more apparent that uh commercial real estate industry may be getting a 550 billion dollar bailout uh either from the fed or the treasury uh so money printer is about to go burr even more than it has things are getting heady man I, that's I, where commercial I, real estate yeah yeah, I mean, commercial real estate is absolutely <laughs> fucked. Like, no one's doing offices anymore. Yeah. So they may they may be getting a bailout. Um, we talked about it last week, but the posturing has remained throughout this week, and the Fed is even posturing in, in a different way where they don't even want to talk about thinking. I think that's what Jerome Powell said this week. He doesn't want to talk about even thinking about moving rates up. So, like, moving rates up is not even a thought in their mind. Remember when they uh, bullshitted about raising rates, like, what was it, like, eight months ago or something? Ten yeah, months ago? Yeah. Like, yeah, fall we'll of 2019? Yeah. Um, they, like, raised it once. I was like, nah, they're not gonna do, they can't do it. Dude, they, ra- they raised it. It's 20, 2019, yeah. Be, end of 2018, beginning of 2019. Did they raise it twice? They, raising they raising. did, like, two little raises? I think twice or three times, and then like the liquidity then crunch like, was such. Right. Yeah, they're like, all right, we need to cut it back down. Um, uh, I don't like to laugh about it, dude. It's serious. Well, like, it is what is it is, Marty. You know, the, you, we can laugh about it because of Bitcoin. If Bitcoin didn't exist, we'd just be crying. <laughs> That's true. It's very true. But it's freaks. They're talking about dire situations here. Like, I tweeted out a funny. few months ago. I tweeted out a few months ago, like hyperinflation may be around the corner. I got a lot of shit for it. Like I would not be surprised. Uh, another 1.4 million people applied for unemployment this week. I think in totality throughout this crisis, 31.5 million have have applied for unemployment at one point or and another. They announced a new stimulus check, right? $1,200 or no? They they announced the intention. They're debating whether it's 1,200, 2,000. Like it doesn't even matter. Like they're, they're debating what the exact amount is, and then on top of that, they're debating. Uh, so that's the big thing right now. Actually, is the the unemployment bump of six hundred dollars. 
they're talking about whether or not to extend that or bump it down to two hundred dollars, which they have to make a decision in the next few hours. Cause I'm no, pretty then sure the two hundred dollar bump failed too. I think did it. Yeah. I mean, uh, so it ends. Does July have thirty one days? Yes. Yeah. So it ends like after tomorrow. Ugh. Thank God we have Bitcoin. Uh, I know it'd be way less. I don't know. This is crazy times, you know. But this is where. Uh, this is where opportunity lies, right? Are these crazy times? That is true. That is true. So that's you got to look at it from the exciting angle. I think that is very true. I like that. I like that angle. Um, I mean, I really want like my overarching theme is I mean two themes, right? I'm trying to accumulate as much Bitcoin as possible here, which has been an outstanding goal for a while, and I'm trying to buy land and. It was crazy, like a year ago, when I told my peers in the city, like, oh, I want to buy land, uh, like, way outside of the city. They all thought I was crazy. And now it's like a super crowded trade. Uh, it's like everyone has, you know, COVID, like, completely blew up our spot, because I know you have a similar plan. I wonder, what I find myself thinking about is, like, what does that dynamic, how does that dynamic play out here? Um, if we have... If we have the U.S. dollar, you know, spiraling out of control and printing, you know, just crazy printing uh, into this, we're going to see asset prices go up, right? And Bitcoin's going to go up, but like, what what happens to land prices? Uh, how does that? Do we see a real estate crash, or do we overarching real estate crash, or do we see like a, you know, select? sectors of real estate crash right like commercial city real estate versus rural rural versus suburb versus movie theater businesses i don't know you know what i'm saying like it's going to be it's yeah. going to be a very crazy market it's uh, it's hard to wrap your head around am i going to be forced to buy new york city real estate because everything else is crazy inflated no you just got to buy kodak stock before <laughs> the government announces that they're giving them uh. an 800 million dollar loan how the fuck does that happen? Who? Why would Kodak make medicine? Because they were a dead company, right? So they might it as doesn't well. Make, like it was insider doesn't make trading, one hundred and one, right? One hundred percent. Yeah, didn't the CEO like buy like forty-seven thousand shares or yeah. something in June? Yeah, late June. He didn't know about it yet. It, this doesn't make any sense to me. But I wouldn't uh, be surprised if like biz, uh, government insiders bought on it too. Oh, definitely. It went Definitely. up like fourteen hundred percent or something insane. Cantillon errors. I got correct. We got corrected on YouTube. I'm not sure if you're you're. Uh, Cantillon errors. No, not Cantillion. Cantillon. Cantillon. Uh, we got yelled. We got yelled at on uh, on YouTube in the YouTube. That's uh, that's comments. what I originally said, right? I think you were right. Yeah, I was wrong. You told me Cantillon. Uh, Cantillon. I like Cantillon. That's the way I've been saying. Dick it. Cantillon. Cantillon. Uh. I'm cool with it. The Cantian airs, the Cantianism uh, rages on. That's the other thing. So let's end it on this. Trump posturing today like he's going to – he didn't posture like he's going to. He asked, should we postpone the election? Should we – crazy times, dude. Of course he did the fucking question mark, right, to cover his ass. I think think that was – he was just trying to hide the GDP numbers. Ooh, that's a good theory. He tweeted it out like right as the GDP numbers hit. Should we postpone the elections? It's insane, man. 
I'm not it's cool with postponing a- the elections, by the way. Neither am I. Neither am I. It like, that, that announcement did not make any sense to me. That's why I think it's, like, maybe a bait. But it makes sense with qu- the GDP. It makes sense with the GDP, but it doesn't compute with his, like, send all the kids back to school mentality. Like, right? If you're willing to, yeah, if you're willing to send all the kids back to school, why wouldn't you allow people to vote? He's like, open up sense. everything except the, 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 election, <laughs> the election boxes. Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. It makes the most sense that it's just a distraction for the GDP thing. Because it, it, the tweet went out like five minutes after the GDP numbers got released. That's all anybody was talking about. Yeah. It was like, it uh-huh. was exact timing. Yeah. I mean, I do have questions about the mail-in ballots, but like, even so, like, you got to let people. Like, you, if you're going to have kids going back to school, you got to let people go to the polls. Well, the problem with mail-in ballots. The reason we have polling offices, and this is also the problem with like phone voting, is the reason we have a secret public ballot is because you can go and vote without like a boss or a spouse or someone either buying your vote and being able to verify how you voted or pressuring you into voting for someone. Like if, if you're trying to buy someone's vote or pressure someone's vote and they go into a voting booth and you can't go in there with them, you never know for sure if they went along with what you were pressuring. But if they do it in front of you on a mail-in vote or on a phone screen, then they can do that. But that's alleviated a bit if you allow them to override their mail-in vote by also going in if they want to, which a lot of states do. So, like, if they got pressured and they, they, they put a vote in the mail, then they could go later on and go to the secret vote and... How do they cross-reference that, though? That seems like... Especially on the night of the election. I mean, you know... I, all of these things, like... When you start... This is, why I'm, this is why I'm getting at the fuck out of town for the election. When you... Especially after that conversation with Whitney last night. Like, they've been chorea- choreographing, like, there's going to be some fuckery with the election the for, like, over a year one, now. The number one thing with election things is you want to have a paper record... So when if shit hits the fan, you can go back and look at the paper. All these electric voting machines, you know, they're closed source. They're run by these companies that can that that are involved in the political system themselves, like Diebold and shit. It's like a fucking scary ass rabbit hole. So, like, before we even get to the point where, like, yes, like all the machines should be open source and all this shit. They should at least, if you have a digital machine, it should print out like a little receipt that shows how you voted. You should look at, you should be able to look at that receipt and you should be able to stick it in a metal box yourself. You know, a paper receipt that you can verify and you can put into it like a metal box. That's the only way you can keep, that's, it's super simple and it's the only way you can keep it uh, honest. That's why like, if you're going to vote, if you're going to do the whole Voting and polls thing. Just do the whole punch card thing that's been working. The hanging Chad. Yeah, just like. <laughs> do you remember the <laughs> hanging Chad? The what? The hanging Chad in Florida in two thousand. No, it was that. The the punches weren't going fully full, so they were uh, making determinations on how much of the Chad was hanging off versus the hanging the, Chad. Yeah. Uh, did uh did in Al New Gore York in New win? York it was Scantron. There's got to be a better way. New York, you did a Scantron, and then they gave you a paper receipt, and then you put it in the receipt box. You verified it yourself and put it in the receipt box. 
freaks. Just get every every one of your family members and friends to start buying Bitcoin. We can walk away from these. This it's a it's a fucking circus. The it doesn't like. It's a circus. And the users manipulate everybody's emotions. I mean, today's a perfect example of that. Like, and <laughs> today, that announcement, especially after the conversation with Whitney Webb last night, has me like, whoa, are they going to fuck around with the election? Like, and use that as an excuse to implement martial law and... I'm not going to eat crow, but I will say I am rethinking the uh, the federal agents and, and cities comments from last week after that. Like, hey, maybe this is setting that. setting the precedent for something like that. They're, uh, they're fucking around in New York now, too. Yeah, definitely thinking twice about it. I will say that. Appreciate that. Yeah. Um, all right. You got anything else? Bitcoin, Bitcoin, Bitcoin. Yeah. That's all we got this week, freaks. Peace and love. Okay.